Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The committee recommends that item one be re-referred to the Committee on Finance. The item is to further regulate automatic speed enforcement system be re-referred to the Committee on Finance. I move approval of the recommendation of this item to be re-referred to the Committee on Finance. The chair recognizes Alderman Ryan. Alderman Reboiris and I move to defer and publish this item. <laughs> the matter will be deferred and published. Uh-huh. Item two, to establish the position of a legislative council. I move approval of the recommendation that item two be re-referred to. The- I don't know about you guys. I just can't get enough of these city council meetings. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even realize we were we were going. I was just listening to it. Uh, you know, it's I'm with you, D. Sometimes late at night, I go for a walk and I just listen to that clip yeah. that uh, Dave Glowitz was so kind to supply to us. Just so fascinating. The ins and outs of Chicago City Council as they go about their every day. They, they go about their every day. It's just like poetry in motion. Well, I think you people know. know I think people you. listening, you know, kind of know that I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> and I think you're actually being serious. <laughs> I love it. Sometimes, Dave, when I'm having a hard time falling asleep, I just play back that particular loop right there. That one. Let's uh, refer this to <laughs> on finance. <laughs> Folks, you got to hear the, the, the full thing because it's a beautiful thing. The games they play in the Chicago City Council, you know, so one they they send matters to finance. They'll be considered if you divert them from finance to rules, they'll be buried. So they bury the things that mayor Lori Lightfoot doesn't want in rules. Okay. And she controls the city council. And then a couple of aldermen got mad. I forget which one did it. I can't remember. Dean started sending the stuff that mayor Lori Lightfoot wanted to rules. And they're all like, Hey, you can't do that. Oh yeah. Here, here's a clip of Raylo saying it. I'm sick of it. <laughs> Boast. <laughs> oh my God. Michael Boast, uh, the uh, congressman from downstate, he used to be a state rep and uh, earned his, uh, got notoriety for throwing papers in the air and saying, I'm sick of it, talking about Michael Joseph Madigan. He wouldn't last a day in the city council, D. He'd be like in a fetal position. I can't take it. Republicans, <laughs> guys, you guys, you haven't been through the ringer. You don't know what it's like. You thought Madigan was bad? Try dealing with Mayor Rahm. Not only is he burying your legislation, he's like giving you the finger. Republicans, D, come on. They got it too easy. Republicans, they cry at the drop of a hat. Oh, Madigan's mean. <laughs> <laughs> your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, November 4th, is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. And you can get columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. We'll be talking more about Ben's column on tomorrow's Oh, What a Week. But go check out Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A. V is in victory, S-K-Y. It is Thursday, November 4th. And live from downstate Illinois and his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. 
I'm in my mom's closet. <laughs> and now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Aaron Rodgers Clinton, as in Bill, Thursday. Wow, that's a mouthful. Anyway, I can't help but laugh. No show. I could just say this right now. There's no show quite like this show. Dennis is in a closet. I'm in an attic. The other day, uh, DJ Nate came by to help me with my laptop. That's a whole other story. And he saw the operation we had. <laughs> it's called Bootleg with a capital B and an L. <laughs> Somehow or other, it's working. You got to see Dennis to believe him, ladies and gentlemen. I think there's a like a... a uh, some kind of dress hanging over his head or something like that because he's in a closet. <laughs> the man's a dutiful son. He went downstate to help his mom, and so he's doing the show from the closet. God bless you. All right, folks. My world's come together uh, last night, so I'm uh, obsessively watching, as you know, uh, impeachment. I'm a little disappointed that more people aren't watching it. It's the uh, Ryan Murphy uh just a rendition of the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky affair that led to the impeachment of Bill Clinton's a fascinating story of duplicity on many levels. Uh, and it's also a fascinating story about the way in which Republicans operate. Like they go, they're constantly, they're like sharks in the water going after the body, the carcass in this case, Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. They couldn't stand either one of them relentlessly pursuing the Clintons and the Clintons are classic Democrats. Instead of fighting back the way Donald Trump would fight back, they just like pretend like the whole thing's legit and they're acting like they're going along with it. And then every now and then they let loose with this sort of like, you know, self pity uh, blast of anger, but mostly they just kind of go along with it while having their lawyers battle them out in court. But Donald Trump wouldn't mess around. He would be calling it a witch hunt. He would be denouncing by name the prosecutors uh, who were going after him, who's belittling them. Clinton's a different animal. Anyway, so I got Bill Clinton on my mind, the way he operates, the way the skillful way in which he ducks and dodges and prevaricates and gets you to uh, doesn't quite say what you think he's saying so that later on he could say, well, I never really said it. And into my world popped Aaron Rodgers gate. Which was like Bill Clinton come back to life in the brain and body of Aaron Rodgers. Now, I know this is uh, a lot of my uh, listeners are not in any way familiar with sports. Uh, and many of you don't even like it when we mention sports. But, D, you got to let me go. Let's talk Wait, are you sports talking about here, sports? I'm going to bring it all back. I'm going to bring it all together, okay? So, Aaron Rodgers, uh, as even my non-sports fans must know, is one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL. It plays for the Green Bay Packers. He's the guy who uh, has con- routinely, soundly embarrasses my beloved Chicago Bears, humiliates them. And in the last game, of course, at uh, Soldier Field, when he beat him at the last moment with a touchdown, he was the one who's uh, some fan flipped him the bird in the end. Like, I kind of like it. Was like some, he made it seem like it was some like old lady, you know, gave him the bird. And he's like, I still own you. Bear fans were weeping and moaning. Anyway, that's Aaron Rodgers, great quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Well, he came down, uh, it was announced the other day that he has COVID. Well, that's, you know, I mean, that everybody, no one, I'm not, no one's surprised by that. Like, we're in the middle of a pandemic or maybe the tail ends of it. So it's not that big a deal. 
but then then here comes the flip because was he vaccinated or not? Everything if COVID, of course, is politicized. So was he vaccinated or not? And first the word breaks, he was vaccinated. So automatically MAGA's going, see? See? <laughs> no. MAGA is unbelievable. Anytime someone who's vaccinated gets COVID, they go, see? It's like, no one ever said it was going to abolish COVID and completely free you of any possibility that you would get this wretched disease. It merely lowers the likelihood that you would get it. And if you do get it, it uh, minimizes the uh, severity of it. And so you can get back to your life a little faster. That's it. No one ever said this is uh, like an ironclad way of keeping you from getting COVID. It's like if you walked around encased in like cement so that bullets would bounce off you or like you're Superman and nothing can penetrate. No one ever said that. But in the politicization of the world, where we are right now, anytime someone who's got vaccinated gets uh, COVID, MAGA's like, see? Anyway, so that's how the story is being spun at first. And then all of a sudden, word flips. Apparently, it was not vaccinated. Apparently, Aaron Rodgers was not vaccinated. In which case, people of my political persuasion are like, see? <laughs> it's like people of my political persuasion, like kind of like, guys, I know you'll never admit it. you never admit it. But the back of your mind, you love it when someone who's not vaccinated gets COVID. It's really weird. I think it's really weird. I'm just throwing it out there. It's really weird. It's a weird, weird world we live in, Master Jack, to quote one of Dennis's favorite songs from the 70s. It's true. But that's that's the reality. <laughs> true. You never even heard of that song. It's a strange, strange world we live in, Master Jack. Ding, 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 ding. That's the guitar. Anyway, so now we got the... You know, the I don't even call them lefties. They're more like hate MAGAites. So that's not really left. Lefties like don't really hate MAGA. You know, it's like the liberal in me that just really doesn't like MAGA. You know what I mean? Like Jimmy Dore lefties. They kind of like get into MAGA. You know, D, remember that? Jimmy Dore came on the show. You remember that. Anyway, so I'm like, now I'm into it. Like, was he vaccinated? Wasn't he vaccinated? And then it turns out what a slickster Aaron Rodgers is. This guy is straight out of the Bill Clinton playbook, folks. And if you read Aaron Rodgers' quotes, you can learn a lot about ducking and dodging politicians. And uh, Dennis and I do this bit. We haven't done it in a while. We should bring it back for, oh, what a week. Uh, where Dennis will play a, uh, a clip where a reporter is asking a politician a direct question. And the, the politician will respond. Words will... Uh, emit be emitted from the politician's mouth and dennis will say well <laughs> did he answer that question how do you what grade do you give him for that question and i'll go that's a duck and a dodge right there and uh so the, the masters the masters and i would say bill clinton was the master have this ability to talk in such a way that you think you're hearing a yes when in fact you're hearing a no, uh, an evasion. I mean, this, there's all different styles of this kind of evasive behavior when it comes uh, to speaking. Uh, Mayor Daly, 
Baby Daly, the one that was the mayor millennials when you were in high school, that mayor Daly, he had the ability to babble and nobody would know what he was saying. And but they interpreted it as like what they wanted to hear. So he would say babble, blah, 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 and people go, oh, I think that means that he's on my side. And they would walk away convinced that Daly was going to do whatever they wanted, wanted him to do. And then when he didn't do it, they were like, what? And then Daly would say, I never told you I was going to do that. So anyway, in the summer, in August, during a training camp, a reporter asked Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers if he had been vaccinated against COVID-19. Vaccinated was the word the reporter used, to which Aaron Rodgers replied, yeah, I've been immunized. Now, you see what he did there? A direct answer to that question would be, yeah, I've been vaccinated. But instead of saying vaccinated, he said immunized. Which is, let's the reporter believe that he's been vaccinated because the whole point of the vaccination is to more or less immunize you against the disease. As as I said earlier, it doesn't completely immunize you against the disease. So it's really not the right word to use anyway. And uh, this columnist in the Sun-Times, Tom Shad, writes, while Rogers used the word immunized rather than vaccinated in his August news conference, he at least facilitated the impression that he received the vaccine. That's that's really skillful writing. Facilitated the impression that he received the vaccine. That's sort of like when Bill Clinton was asked point blank, did he have sex with Monica Lewinsky? And remember what he said or what he goes, I did not have sex with that woman. Which would kind of lead you to believe that he didn't have sex with the woman. And then it came down to an issue of what do you define as sex? Anyway. So the reporter asks him a follow-up question for elaboration. And this is where Aaron Rodgers does something that uh, politicians are really good at. Particularly one in Rahm Emanuel. You got to give Rahm credit on this one, D. Uh, the old filibuster. You just start talking <laughs> and you fill up time. And then the report, then, then you're like, well, I answered your question. And you go, so this is what he said. You know, there's a lot of conversation around it, around the league. And a lot of guys who have made statements, not made statements, owners who've made statements. Like, that's not even a complete sentence, but that's where he pauses. There's guys in the team that haven't been vaccinated. I think it's a personal decision. I'm not going to judge these guys there's guys that have been vaccinated that have contracted COVID. So it's an interesting issue. End of quote. Okay, they were back to that. Nobody ever said, or nobody is certainly saying now, that if you get vaccinated, you will never get COVID. So why even bring it up, Aaron Rodgers? The reporter is persistent. He asked a follow-up question one more time. If he got the shot for competitive reasons, Rodgers did not dispute the characterization. He closes the quote like, quote, I like to learn about everything that I'm doing. There was a lot of research that even went into that. But like I said, there's been people that have been tested positive, and I think it's only vaccinated people here. So it's going to be interesting to see how things work moving forward. And now it turns out he wasn't vaccinated. He said, I think uh, it's only vaccinated people here. He made that comment, and it turns out he, there weren't only vaccinated people there because he wasn't vaccinated. And you know what the real issue is? 
He's afraid, obviously, for whatever reason, to get vaccinated. Maybe he doesn't like needles. Maybe he just doesn't trust science. You know, maybe he's just afraid, you know, just like some people are afraid of getting shots. I don't know. But he doesn't want to say he's not vaccinated because it's so politicized. So he doesn't want to be put into the non-vaccinated camp. Give Kyrie Irving credit. uh, Brooklyn Nets guard. He's openly in the non-vaccinated camp and he's getting a lot of abuse for it. And by the way, I think justifiably so. Because he sounds flaky as hell. But Aaron Rodgers wants to look like he's above uh, the Kyrie Irvings of the world. He doesn't want to look like he's like a nutcase who won't get vaccinated, even though he is a nutcase who won't get vaccinated. They're ducks and dodges. Classic, classic evasion. Uh, politicians mastered. Uh, and uh, Aaron Rodgers showed he's adept that he has a career in politics. The only issue is, will he be a Democrat or Republican? You can't duck a dodge in that one. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron, are you a Republican or Democrat? Well, it's interesting. Some people are Democrats and some people are Republicans. And it's a personal choice. You know, you should be allowed to be a Republican. If you want to be a Republican, you can be a Republican. If you want to be a Democrat, you can be a Democrat. That's a very interesting question. And it's a very personal choice. And then he pauses. Remember, guy. Well, yeah, but are you a Democrat or Republican? You know, I like to look at both sides of the issue. I like to I like my friends who are Republicans. I like my friends who are Democrats. And everybody in this team is a Democrat. Mm-hmm. That's how we would answer that question. Anyway, great ducking and dodging from Aaron Rodgers. Good news for Bears fans is that Aaron Rodgers won't play in tonight's game. Or whenever the Green Bay Packers are playing again, I can't remember when they're playing again. So there's a chance they may lose. But I just thought that was such a telling example of political evasion on the part of Aaron Rodgers, a little book Clinton-esque. Uh, one other issue that I want to get to before I bring on our guest, Sarah Bingaman, activist uh, from downstate Illinois, talk about the recent elections and the implications uh, for Democrats in Trump country. And um, this is something we're probably going to deal with uh, tomorrow on, oh, what a week, but it caught my eye. And it's definitely... Um, being talked about all over Twitter today. And that is McDonald's CEO, Chris Kamczynski on Tuesday, addressed comments he made in a text exchange with mayor, Lori Lightfoot appearing to blame the parents of two Chicago children fatally shot early this year, saying his comments lack compassion and empathy. Uh, and uh, this is, of course, goes back to the uh, Adam Toledo shooting. We talked a lot about that back in April. I think that was in April. Time is just flying by. Uh, Adam Toledo, 13-year-old, shot by a Chicago police officer who's out late at night. Uh, and many parents said these kinds of things. We talked about this. Uh, many parents, they, they didn't do it publicly, but just around the dinner table. There's that issue, you know, you, you kind of like, well, why was he out there? It's so early in the morning. And then there's just like, you could, you know, that, that sound, that sound that people make when they're just sort of showing they don't believe they don't want to they don't want to uh they don't want to show any sympathy whatsoever for the person uh who is in this case shot or the family that was shot and i oh, i always thought it's kind of heartless when i hear it i mean it's a normal human reaction i think uh we're asked to be sympathetic and empathetic in so many cases that we run out of sympathy we run out of empathy we just don't want to waste it anymore you know, like the, it's like people who uh, complain about the sound of airplanes going over the house uh, that live out by O'Hare. And then other people go, why did you move out to O'Hare? So here, somebody hears a story about uh, a family that's mourning because a 13 year old son was killed. And they just they really just what they're saying is they don't want to extend any sympathy or empathy because there's so much 
I don't know. There's only so much of sympathy and empathy to go around. And plus life sucks and their life and nobody's showing them sympathy or empathy. So they just like, mm, I don't want to know about that. I don't want to care about that. I don't want to have to care about it. That parent is at fault. That kid's out there. That's like a very human reaction, but it's generally the kind of human reaction that, um, you know, that we just share with loved ones around a kitchen table or maybe at a bar when we're drunk, that kind of thing. Like you openly state and you'd be subjected because you know, it's not the right thing to say. Even if you believe it, you know, it's not the right thing to say. So anyway, this guy puts it, this is the part of the story that the little twist it's that he feels compelled to say it. The head of the CEO of McDonald's to say, well, you know, the parents should have been in charge of their kids and it's bad parenting. But instead of just saying it to his wife or to his brother or to his friend at a bar, he puts it in a text that he sends to Mayor Lori Lightfoot. D, this one really, like, this is the part of the story. I know, I know this is not the main part of the story, but it's the part of the story that I kind of hooked on. Like, why would you feel compelled to send that in a text to Lori Lightfoot? Like, what would your purpose be to get her what? To not publicly feel, feel sorry for the family? You know that she can't take that stance. Kind of a weird, and I don't know, D, you know, this also kind of gets at me like who has access to Lori Lightfoot's text and who doesn't? I don't think there's a McDonald's day worker who has access to Lori Lightfoot's text. But Jeff, the CEO of McDonald's, I guess, yeah, he's going to have access to Lori Lightfoot. He just wants to weigh in whatever he wants. And her, her response, classic Lori Lightfoot. This, 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 I got to share this. Her response, by the way, give a shout out to Chicago Tribune. They were all over this story. Her response, where is it? Oh, here it is. Uh, Her response was, thanks, Chris. The guy's name is Chris. Great to see you in person. Such a great workspace. And your folks were terrific. I said to Joe, I would be happy I would be happy to reach out to the operator to offer support. I have no idea. That's an incomplete sentence. Uh, He and his team members have got to be traumatized. Terrible tragedy. Thanks again, Chris. In other words, she's like, clearly, it's like Clintonian there. A little more Bill Clinton. Like, hmm, I don't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole, so I'll get in and out of this. I got to say something to the guy. He's the CEO of McDonald's. Maybe got to hit him up for some campaign uh, contributions. But I really don't want to look like I'm agreeing with him. So I'll just say it's a terrible tragedy. And now, of course, the story was dug out because, damn, uh, the text released to a Freedom of Information Act request filed by Michael Kessler, a Vancouver man requesting records as part of an inquiry into Portland, Oregon. We've talked about this in the past. You People, activists go looking for uh, information from one city regarding one thing, and they get a, a lo- boatload of texts and emails, et cetera, dumped in their lap. And all of a sudden they have something about Chicago. And then it was released, uh, put on by Lucy Parsons Labs, a nonprofit transparency organization. And it's out there now. Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, has to respond. And so she responds by saying, I completely disagree with it, even though she didn't tell him that face to face. Uh, And the McDonald's CEO responds by saying, well, you know, I was just, uh, it was a momentary thing. And, I was just thinking as a parent, you know, I'm backtracking, et cetera. I don't know. Folks, just as a general rule of thumb, if something really horrible happens 
to some kid. Me, just you know, don't don't be so what judgmental about it, self righteous about it. You know, this guy's a young man. This uh, looks like a young man. This he's got a baby face anyway. The McDonald's head, so maybe he hasn't had teenagers. Maybe he doesn't know what kind of stress and strife they're going to put him through. Maybe he'll be singing a different tune when his kids are teenagers. And then it won't be so easy to stand in judgment of others. Uh, this text exchange reminds me of another one that Danny Mialopoulos uh, wrote about uh, WBEZ, about the Avis Lavelle in the Park District, and the text she sent to uh to Kim Fox. We're going to get into that. We're going to save that one for, oh, what a week. That's a delightful, uh, delicious illustration of how politics works in the city of Chicago and how much, how much Kim Fox has learned from the Jesse Smollett case. So we're probably going to take the deep dive in that one and, oh, what a week. But the two te- the two stories uh, together, the one about the McDonald's CEO sending the text to uh, Lori Lightfoot and then uh, Ava Sabell sending the text uh, to Kim Fox reminded me that like that back room of text, powerful. Most of my, te- if you read my text to people, it'll be all about the bulls and the Patriot. A show I've been wasting a lot of time watching. All right. Sarah Bigman uh, has joined us. Sarah Bigman, one of our favorite uh, guests. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Good to have you back. It's great to be with you, Ben. Thank you for inviting me. Well, uh, this is the reason why I invited Sarah. Um, it was in the aftermath of the trauma for Democrats, for lefties, for liberals uh, that occurred yesterday when results came in. Was it yesterday? No, it's Thursday. Yesterday was like the first full day that we digested the results from the uh, Virginia gubernatorial election when Glenn Youngkin uh, defeated Terry McAuliffe. And then New, New, New Jersey uh, gubernatorial election where Phil Murphy, the Democrat, he was victorious, but it was a lot closer uh, than anybody expected. And suddenly, uh, it's not even, we not even really arrived, Sarah Bingaman, <clears throat> at the midterms. We're not really at the midterms. We're at the pre-mid-midterms because it's the end of 2021 uh, portion of the election cycle as opposed to the real midterms, which obviously are t- 2022. And it did not look good for Democrats. There's no sugarcoating it. Well, there is sugarcoating it. It's, I'm already starting to see the sugarcoating it. But it was uh, a rough going for Democrats when you lose a state like Virginia, where Donald Trump uh, had been trounced by 10 percentage points by Joe Biden, when you barely hold on to New Jersey, which uh, Biden won easily in uh, 2020. In New York, there were uh, many instances of down ballot victories by Republicans over Democrats. Uh, so it's hard to really spin uh, a successful election uh, news uh, interpretation out of what went down uh, yesterday. So I thought it'd be a good idea to reach out to Sarah Bingaman because uh, Sarah, as I like to point out, you, you're a, a Democrat. I, I would call you a liberal. Mm-hmm. You correct me if I'm wrong. And you live in the middle of Trump uh, country. So before we go in and talk about the specifics of it, just tell folks one more time, where exactly uh, do you live and how Trumpy is it? Oh my, that's a great question. Um, we live in Dixon, Illinois, which is Ronald Reagan's boyhood home. He was born in Tampico, but he was raised here in Dixon, Illinois. And so we are in Lee County. Um, we're in the 16th Congressional District, which has been represented for the last uh, 12 years by Adam Kinzinger. 
Um, and of course, it is Illinois, but it is a very deep red Illinois. So um, being a progressive out here can sometimes be a lonely thing. But um, we've formed a group right after the 2016 election, an indivisible group, and we've met almost every Wednesday since since 2000, November 2016 and have done a whole range of activities, including supporting our progressive candidates um, with varying degrees of success. And um, then after the 2020 election, we decided that we needed to go um, bigger in rural Illinois. And so we formed a group called Indivisible Rural Illinois, which um, reaches the indivisible leaders across the state of Illinois in rural areas. And we work together preparing, our, our goal has been preparing for the midterm elections in 2022. And of course, you know, Tuesday night's results in, in Virginia were and and New Jersey were jarring, but um, when you live out here, you uh, see the kinds of things that people put up in their yards, and you hear what people say, and you read the letters to the editor, and you have a pretty good sense of the challenge that we're going to be facing in 2022. Not just um, not just congressionally, but um, we're very concerned about um, J.B. Pritzker being able to maintain the governor's mansion uh, out here because there's been enormous, enormous pushback on his COVID-19 restrictions Um, and uh, pushback. Locally, we're seeing that pushback on mask mandates, which is hard to stomach but there it is and so um we try to support those who who have sense and and support the governor's mandates and um support our school board our local school board here in dixon they've done a phenomenal job i have to give a huge shout out to the wonderful dixon school board for um for following the CDC and following the governor's recommendations. And I also have to give a very strong shout out to our Lee County Health Department. Um, Our health department has done a magnificent job in getting people vaccinated and um, providing the services, the information. I, I can't imagine how difficult it's been to continuously update information on vaccines and on masking and so forth and vaccine availability, booster availability, now availability of vaccines for uh, five to 12 year olds. So it's a constantly changing thing and they've done a magnificent job at that. So a big shout out to our health department here. Um, Yes. Go ahead. You've given me a lot to uh, follow up on. I'm going to start off with uh, this one point. I wrote it down. Uh, when you see things people put up in yards, I presume mm. the things you're talking about are sides. Talk about them. But you, 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 we had a mini conversation about that on the phone yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell folks, most of my listeners, or many of my listeners are in the Chicago area, Cook County, mm-hmm. uh, they're not aware 
of what would be on a, a, a sign in somebody's lawn uh, in Trump country. So talk, talk a little bit about what are some of the signs? Okay. Um, come on out. Uh, come see us because we have beautiful state parks in this area and we have Natusa grasslands in our area. We'd love to invite people who spend most of their time in uh, the Chicago area to come on out and see how beautiful the rest of Illinois is. But be prepared because, um, of course, several months ago, the Pritzker sucks signs started showing up all over the place. And of course, in very teeny tiny letters under it, I believe it says Pritzker sucks the wind out of businesses, but you can't read that the wind out of businesses. You just see this large sign, which was jarring because that's not a word that you generally plan to see in somebody's yard. It's, it's a, in, in my mind, it's, it's an ugly word. It's not a word that, that you uh, expect to see um, in any case. So then following that series of signs, we started seeing at when Kinzinger, um, partic- when he, Kinzinger voted the second time for impeachment, um, that was when you started seeing um the Kinzinger no signs or Kinzinger's out signs or, um, and the interesting thing is so many of these signs are manufactured signs. So they're not homemade signs. They're signs that, um, that somebody has produced and people are putting up. And then the next set of signs, which often went in the same yards were unmask my child signs. So those are spread out all over the place. And if we can't get ugly enough and anti enough and um, against enough, the, the latest signs that we're seeing, and excuse my French, but I'm just reading what's on the signs, that it says, fuck Biden. Mm. And those signs, those are flags and signs. And jarringly, those signs are, well, for example, if you drive into Morrison, Illinois, a lovely little town in Illinois, that's the first thing you'll see. And believe me, I know several very wonderful progressives who live in Morrison, and they've tried to get that flag or sign taken down, but you have First Amendment rights. And they've put them up around the schools. So that's um, my my 11-year-old granddaughter said, I thought that was not a word that we were allowed to use. I don't (laughs) understand why people are putting that in their yard and or on their on on a bumper sticker on their car. And how do you explain that to an 11-year-old who of course, reads fluently. <laughs> um, so you, all you can do is try to explain that the person who is putting that out has strong feelings and strong hateful feelings. And, and that's, that's the only way to explain that sort of thing. Um, so that's, that's what we're seeing. And it's not, it's not, everywhere and it's not um, everyone but there's a lot of it there's a lot of it so our group is actually at the beginning stages of planning to make some signs that will only be positive and they will say things like truth matters vaccines save lives and we love illinois i i think it's important 
particularly out here for us to really elevate how fortunate we are to live in the state of Illinois. We have so many protections um, that all the states right around us and certainly southern states do not have. And we need to amplify and be grateful for those protections that our LGBTQ community has, that our um, abortion seekers have, that, um, you know, uh, we, we just we just have so much protection here. And um, we could lose it if we're not careful. We um, could lose it. <laughs> let's go. I want to listen to you uh, talk about those signs and uh it popped into my head and I'm showing my age here, Sarah, I think I'm older than you, but there was a great comedian, may you rest in peace, the great George Carlin, mm-hmm. uh, who got arrested for, I think it was in Milwaukee. I think it would believe it was in Milwaukee. He got arrested for seven words that you can't say on TV. Yes. Uh, and one of those words is now parading on a sign mm-hmm. uh, throughout uh, Illinois, which is interesting. I mean, George Carlin, of course, passed on. He didn't live long enough uh, to see uh, MAGA conservative America, mainstream America, Break down. So in one way, I'm kind of happy because, you know, I'm like, yeah, that the George Carlin lover, Lenny Bruce lover in me likes it, that people are just like waving their freak flag. But it's interesting that they're waving their freak flag on behalf of this repressive racist MAGA movement. Yes. Uh, I, I, wouldn't you love to hear what Gar- George Carlin would say about all of this? Oh, can't we just find out? It would be it would be great. But. It would be great. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure where he'd be with this. I, you yeah. never know how people change. I'd like to right. s- like to think he would be where I'm at. But Lord knows. Yeah. Uh, it, but I would when I think about that, somebody uh, with a sign that says uh, fuck Biden or Pritzker socks or uh, uh, I, I get there's like a level of defiance. Uh, there's a, a feeling of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, there's a, a sense of invincibility. Think about that. You're putting a sign up uh, that says "fuck Biden." He's the president of the United States. I'm not afraid. I can't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's a feeling of invincibility that you cannot be. It's like Kyle Rittenhouse going up to Kenosha with a gun. And yes. feeling like, I'll just go up with a gun. The cops will throw me water. I'll shoot yeah. two guys. And then the cops will say, go home, son. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how can we support you? Um, one of the things that I think is important to remember as we're thinking about heading into this election is that people are very strongly motivated by, by anger and hate and anti. And if you put up that sort of sign, Um, To me, it's offensive and it wouldn't motivate me to do anything. But there are people out there who are strongly motivated by um, anger and by being being against something. So um, I, I guess that's the intent. I'm not quite sure what the intent is. I don't regularly have conversations with people who do that. Uh that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So there's where we are. And of course we've had, uh, we've had protests earlier in the, in, in the fall when the mask, when the mask mandate went into place, of course, the school boards all across the state of Illinois were having to decide what they were going to do um, with regard to mask mandates. And then J.B. Pritzker really came to the rescue 
of those school board of those school board members who are just wonderful local volunteers, um, good-hearted people who want their schools to be better, and they were put in a horrible position of deciding whether or not they were going to um, mandate masks in the district, and and then he came out with the mandate, which made it much much easier for them to enforce that mask mandate because they were going to lose things like um, sports uh, certification and the ability of uh, all, they were going to lose all kinds of um, uh, benefits if, if they did not enforce the mask mandate. So um, even though after that mandate went into effect, there were protests at our school board meetings, they were pretty light. Um, uh, They were pretty, uh, easily, easily dissuade from from making it a big deal. So that has been extremely helpful. Um, he, we we really, I know I'm I'm sounding like a huge champion here, but we really have to give credit for for his enforcing the putting out that mask mandate and taking the pressure off all of these small school boards all over the state of Illinois. No, I, I, I'm op- I openly give uh, J.B. Pritzker credit, and I always say the same thing. I didn't vote for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty open about who I voted for. I did not vote yeah. for J.B. Pritzker. I took a lot of abuse from my friends of the J.B. Pritzker-loving persuasion for not voting for him. I'm still getting abuse from them. Uh, I had my uh, doubts about him, uh, but I feel he's done as well as anybody in the state, which mm-hmm. the bar is pretty low. I'm very critical of our mayor in Chicago about uh, how uh, she's handled things during this pandemic. But I feel J.B. Pritzker, a very difficult position, Sarah Bingham, and um, under fire from the Darren Baileys of the world uh, and the anti-maskers, as as you uh, point out, the anti-vaxxers and and, and just the amount of abuse he's taken. Uh, and he still shows empathy, and it's a very impressive display. So I give him. I, I don't hesitate to give him credit. He's not perfect, mm-hmm. but Lord knows who uh, is. A, yeah, who is? Not who even is? me. And, I'm and, not even perfect. Uh, yeah, now, and the legislature as well has. They've passed some incredible um, support for, for example, public school teachers who need to take time off um, for. Uh, quarantine or because their children have been diagnosed and and now they've got protection um doing things like moving the primary or giving us oh thank heavens um permanent vote by mail for Mm -hmm. the very first time yeah by the way that just really (laughs) i just want to say one thing yeah. How inconsistent MAGA is. And this is me talking, not uh, Sarah, because yeah. she's got to live among MAGA. So she <laughs> made that one. I get it. You guys, man, are such so blatantly hypocritical. You, Donnie Trump railed against vote by mail, said it was riddled with abuse, said that's how the Democrats are going to steal the election. Then he said that's how they stole the election. Then all you little uh, Trump lemmings followed him down that road. Meanwhile, old boy down in Virginia used vote by mail. Yeah. Well, Donald Trump voted by mail. (laughs) So vote by mail. There's there's not enough you can say about how helpful vote by mail is. It allows you to really 
cast a ballot that you've researched? How many times have you gone to the polling place when we all voted in person and you look at the ballot and you thought, oh, I thought I was prepared. And now there's the, there are these judges I don't know anything about, or here's a, you know, a, you know, a piece on the ballot that I haven't researched. And, and when you vote by mail, sit down at your computer, figure out what you want to do and vote intelligently and then mail it in on your own time frame. It's, it's just an absurd, absurd battle, but there are so many that are so absurd on that other side. They've really, really gone off the deep end on the other side. If you ask me, it makes, yeah. Uh, so you you uh, went through the signs uh, that mm-hmm. you see every day when you're just driving around, uh, and um, uh, and we talked about just briefly the hypocrisy of the Republicans, where they try to throw Democrats into jail for voting by mail, and then they go urge their people to vote by mail, mm-hmm. uh, vote for mail for me, not for thee. Okay, uh, <laughs> and and you responded, and I think nobly. Uh, by saying that you're going to accentuate the positive. Uh, and my response, and you're going to call me cynical and jaded, and you're going to say I've been around politics too long and I need a vacation. I know what you're going to say, Sarah Bingaman, uh, but my response is that is an echo of 2016 where Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they kept going low, and the Obamas kept going high, and Donnie Trump won. Mm-hmm. And yes. so my takeaway is that from that uh, is that going high when they go low doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's where we're at in America. When you go high and they go low, low usually wins. Sarah Bigaman, I want to hear you tell me that I'm cynical. I'm jaded. I'm wrong. And that going high will prevail. Take you're it away. Cynical, you're jaded and you're wrong. <laughs> We really, we really can't jump aboard that nasty ship. We really can't. That's not who we are. That's not what we're going to do. It's not going to win us in the long run. We need to look at what the true issues are and start to talk about those issues. There's a wonderful new report that has come out recently. It was done by a man named Richard Martin, um, who is... um, He has a technical firm in Iowa, but it's called Factory Towns. And you know how um, when you are looking at voter turnout and, and ballots cast, often the division is urban, rural, and suburban. And he says we can no longer look at it that way. We have to look at urban, suburban, Small manufacturing, mid-sized manufacturing, college counties, and then rural. And the areas where the Republicans have really won and really knocked our socks, really, really beaten us, are in the small manufacturing counties and the mid-sized manufacturing counties. Small manufacturing counties much more than even more than mid-sized manufacturing counties. So for example, where we live in Lee County is considered a small manufacturing community, county, because 
Uh, the largest town in Lee County is Dixon with 15,000 people. So to be mid-sized, you would have to have 35,000 people in the largest town. Um, and then you have to have at least 13%, I believe, um, manufacturing in, in the county. And those are the counties in Illinois and across the entire um, northern part of Midwestern Illinois and Midwestern United States where we have completely lost our voter base as Democrats. So there are four, four factors there. And the biggest one and the one that impacts everything else is job loss. So if you stick to the message about job loss and what you're going to do about it, that impacts everything else. So the, the four factors are union loss, that when you lose unions, communities fall apart. Um, one, of the, one of the things that he says in this report that really opened my eyes is uh, I, I've been a lifelong union member, but he talks about the fact that one role of unions is to educate the union membership about candidates and about elected officials. So you know that many people are getting false information about candidates and about elected officials. But if they get their information from their union leadership or from their union, they are getting more accurate information that will help them truly make good decisions about who to vote for. And with the loss of those unions, there's the loss of that voice. So it's job loss, union loss, it's um, health status, because of course, right along with job loss is loss of health status, not just physical health, but mental health as well. And then the fourth factor is race, because when he, he's very clear in his research that in the counties that have 85% or more white voters, the change from Democrat to Republican was breathtaking between 2012 and 2020. So this report has given us a ton of factual data that we can take and use as we're creating messaging, as we're talking about um, what, what, what is it that people are truly so angry and upset about? Well, they're angry and upset about job loss and they blame the Democrats for those job losses. And there's some blame there. <laughs> there's, there's that they're not wrong. There, it can be shared, but um, the blame is squarely from their point of view on, um, on the Democrats. And if we can finally ever get this infrastructure bill through, that's going to give us a lot of good um, talking things to talk about that will be true and accurate and forthcoming. So I, I'm hopeful and keep, keep, watching the news, hoping that they, that that infrastructure bill is going to go through both of them. Yeah. 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 That's a, 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 a staggering statistic that you said there that uh, I just wrote down 85% in, in communities, which are uh, 85% white or more. Uh, there's been the greatest uh, 
flip from Democrat to Republican uh, right. since 2012. And I just want to remind everybody in 2012, the Democratic candidate in the ticket was Barack Obama, who, of course, is a black man. Yes. Uh, and uh, so there's probably you probably need to be Sigmund Freud to really get at uh, what's going on here and why people uh, who voted for Barack Obama uh, are now voting for Donald Trump and are really part of the MAGA movement. Uh, by the way, I just going to, uh, to mention that I had a very interesting conversation with a friend uh, of uh, Sarah Bingaman's, and that would be Dave McCarver, who is the head of the Democrats uh, in Lee County. He's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. The guy's a very thoughtful young man. He's, he's, he's a, a baby. great guy. Great uh, guy. We're lucky yeah. to have him. Lucky to have him. Very thoughtful. Total political junkie, by the yes. way. Uh, <laughs> he's a beastly animal when it comes to politics. Mm-hmm. And I share those traits. Uh, but we were talking as I was setting up the interview and we were talking and he, he said, he, now he's a kid. He, he, he wasn't even alive for this, but, uh, <laughs> but he was talking about NAFTA <laughs> and how yes. uh, in the nineties. And I, I keep coming back to Bill Clinton, yes. uh, Sarah Bingham. And I've been talking about this so much and how it's like, I'm, I'm aware of how the democratic party led by Clinton in the nineties set itself up for failure in so many ways. And Barack yes. Obama followed that pattern. And now yes. here we are and just living in this, in, in this, uh, MAGA world. Uh, mm-hmm. and, he talked about that, that the sense of betrayal on the part of many people in his neck of the woods, your neck of the woods, Lee County, downstate Illinois, uh, when the manufacturing jobs left and whether or not it's fair or accurate or et cetera to blame Clinton, they blame NAFTA. They go, why would we listen to a Democrat? We listened to him and then they did NAFTA. And, um, and, and the Asian Pacific, uh, uh, you know, that, that was, that, uh, treaty was also a big one during the Clinton, during Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign. So um, yeah, there, there is a very strong sense of betrayal and here locally, for example, there's a, there was a very large manufacturing family owned manufacturing company. They made um, hardware for um, doors, hinges and handles and things like that. And um, the family sold, to Black and Decker and the company stayed for a while. And then Black and Decker, I believe was, uh, don't, don't quote me completely on this, but I believe Black and Decker was then um, bought out by Stanley Tools and then they had no, no need for that business. And that was a very large employer in this area. So when you're a small town and you lose a large employer, um, it has an enormous impact on the town. Now, who do you blame for that series of events? Do you blame the family that sold the company? Do you blame the first company that bought it? Do you blame the second company that bought it? Do you, do you, who, you know, do you blame the trade? Do you blame our legislature? Where, where it, the blame needs to be spread out, but it, um, yeah, it's it's a very tricky thing. It's a very tricky thing, um, and and messaging is big. All right, uh, you mentioned schools, mm. uh, and uh, you gave a shout out to the, the local leadership uh, of the school districts in your area. Right. And, uh, uh, I made note when you said that that one of the battlegrounds uh, in the state of Virginia, 
were school districts where uh, MAGA people would show up at school district meetings and start berating uh, the school officials who, like you point out, are volunteers uh, who are and grappling with issues like how do you protect students from uh, this virus? So should they wear masks, et cetera? Uh, and they start yelling at them, screaming at them. Uh, and that has turned into a cause, parental mm-hmm. rights. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's uh, being credited for flipping votes in Virginia. Uh, and I watch uh, t- senators, Republican senators in, uh, uh, in Washington champion the cause. Tom Cotton from Arkansas, I saw him do it. Josh Hawley, I saw him do it. Ted Cruz, I saw him do it. I'm like, oh my God, they must have gotten some kind of poll result from some kind of focus group that told them that this is a compelling issue uh, and we're going to see it probably here in Illinois on the issue of parental notification. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, and um, so, uh, but you're not seeing that. You're telling me uh, in your neck of the woods. Uh, oh, people's... I'm not saying that we're not seeing it. I think it's here. Um, it certainly was. It was certainly here regard with the mask mandate. But when 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 the attorney for the school for the school district stands up and says, "This is what you're going to lose if you don't enforce the mask mandate." People have to listen to that, and and I think it was helpful that that was very clear. I haven't heard too much yet um, about um, history, teaching teaching correct history. Uh, of course, that was a major issue in Virginia, and I am a retired teacher. I've actually, I taught community college this fall. It was my 46th year, 46th fall of teaching. So um, as an elementary school teacher, you, when Martin Luther King's birthday comes around, you teach the story of Dr. Martin Luther King. When at certain times you teach, you teach the history as you know it and as, and as the curriculum presents it. And to have teachers for, and I'll just give you a personal example. I was very, very fortunate when I was nine years old, I got to meet Dr. King in New York City um, at Riverside Church. And that was a wonderful thing to be able to share with my little children because it helped them get a sense of time. Oh yes, this is a person who was alive when my teacher was alive, this isn't somebody who was alive in the 1700s. Time is a very difficult thing to teach children. And it helped them with that. And it helped them to know a little bit about the movement in the, in the, in the 60s. And so um, to be told, if I lived in Texas, I'm guessing I would be told I wouldn't be able to tell that story. Um, that, would be, that would be off limits. And what a shame that would be for for young people not to know a sto- a personal story like that. Um, it's it's just heartbreaking that suddenly we have people who think that they can dictate what is the here's the bigger issue. What is the truth and what is not the truth, and and what children should be allowed to know. I I, I think. I think there's some sense of um, distrust of teachers knowing what's appropriate to teach children at certain ages. 
But that's what teachers do. <laughs> that's what we're prepared to do, to take difficult topics and explain them at an age-appropriate level. That's what makes teaching hard, mm. and that's what teachers do. And so to remove that ability from teachers is heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking. Well, that's a, a, a great example. And let's take a little deeper dive. So I'm just guessing if you met Martin Luther King at Riverside Church in New York City in the 1960s, good God, you're, uh, you, you probably, whether you realize it or not, uh, were at that church when he gave his famous uh, anti-Vietnam War speech. It was a great speech that uh, Martin Luther King gave. I want to say in 1967, maybe it was 66, don't quote me on the year, uh, where he denounced the war in Vietnam and he received a lot of criticism. In fact, um, there are people that I talk to all the time that think that was that really turned the tides against Martin Luther. And not, not that it was a love fest for Martin Luther King to begin with, but LBJ and the Democratic Party and, and including many uh, black leaders in the Democratic Party uh, were upset with him for standing up against the Vietnam War uh, and undercutting uh, LBJ. I think it was the absolute right thing that he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you were there. That's amazing that you were there. I didn't know that. That's pretty incredible. That was a historical moment, ladies and gentlemen. Sarah Bingaman was there. I wasn't there. I just read about it. Well, uh, not, not on my own. Um, not, <laughs> I was a child. Let's let's. And, and because I had parents who were forward thinking, and uh, we were very fortunate to happen to be there at the time. It wasn't planned. So um, yeah. No, I know. I heard. I could have heard the story in the morning when they went to took you to that church. Come on, we gotta go. Yes, Sarah. Martin Luther yeah. King will be there. He's gonna give a speech about Vietnam. Oh God, I want to play with. Billy Bob. <laughs> want to go fishing. I want to go fishing. I don't yeah. think people in New York fish. Anyway, neither here nor there. Um, but how do you teach that? Seriously, yeah. uh, Sarah. They, uh, give me another example. Martin Luther King, or we're told he's, I, I, I just shake my head. MAGA, MAGA will put out that Dr. King said we should treat everybody the same, but mm-hmm. they don't do that anymore. They want to give black people an advantage and he's dead and he can't defend himself. It's so sad. You know, I'm like, man, of all, Dr. King, of all the lessons you take for Dr. King, you took the one lesson, you strip it of all context and you apply it to justify whatever dumb program you want. Yeah. But well. just try teaching. Dr. King came to Chicago for a year let open housing marches and they threw a rock at him and hit him in the head, Sarah Bingaman. Now go imagine you're a teacher uh, in a, a, a white neighborhood in the Southwest side of Chicago or the Southwest suburbs. And you're going to teach the history of open housing in Chicago and Dr. King coming. And the grandparents of the kids in your classroom are the ones who threw the rock at Dr. King. Yeah. How yes. are you going to do that without yeah. having some, grandparents show up at the principal's office and go, you're filling my head, my kid's head with your commie tripe. You hear what I'm saying, Sarah? Bingham? Well, it, it, it can happen. It can happen. I mean, I, I, yeah, <laughs> you, you need to know, you need to know your, your parent, your parent base in your, in your school and how far you can go with things. And of course you can always, um, if you're, um, one of the things that you can do is find there are wonderful picture books that explain a lot of that history. And you can read those books and allow the children to discuss it and allow the children to come to their own conclusions. And that's that can protect you a bit, too, because then it's the author and the children and you're just the mediator there. So uh, and yeah. 
Yeah. That's that's sort of like what uh, de- uh, school board officials could do when JB uh, ordered mask mandates. Exactly. They go like, I don't want them. What am I supposed to do? JB. Exactly. And exactly. so all the signs say Pritzker sucks. They don't say mm-hmm. school board president sucks. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. <laughs> that's However, why I love JB. He took the hit for all these people in the state of Illinois. I, w- I will tell you that every person I know who holds a local elected position, school board, county board, they have all received, because their, their phone numbers, their addresses are public, and they have all been on the, the end of receiving some serious threats and some serious um, anger and criticism. And that's, that's, I feel, kind of an intentional thing to try to keep people who are thoughtful and progressive and balanced um, from running um, for those positions because they're fairly thankless positions anyway. Uh, Yeah. And that's uh, exactly what MAGA intends to do. Exactly. Uh, And so now I'm going to flip the switch and use a, a Republican term and and see if uh, it's appropriate in this uh, case. So you just you just describe a situation where many houses have signs on them with a piece of rhetoric uh, about Clinton. I Clinton, got Clinton in my mind about <laughs> Biden and uh, Pritzker uh, and uh, define the, the mask mandates, et cetera, and so forth. Um, the Republicans used to say back in the late sixties, early seventies, that the people in the streets protesting the Vietnam war did not represent the majority in this country, that there was a silent majority uh, mm-hmm. that supported the Vietnam war. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I never believed it because I didn't see a majority of people sending their children to go mm-hmm. fight in that war, but that's a whole other issue. Mm-hmm. So do you think there's a silent majority of people uh, in uh, your area who are more supportive of Pritzker and Biden and masks uh, uh, than are um, demonstrated by those signs. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a great point, and and part of the purpose of our local indivisible group is to um, give voice to the people who feel that way, um, to encourage them to write letters to the editor with that point of view, um, to just let people know that um, not everyone thinks that way. And you don't have to be afraid to say what what you really believe. Uh, this is the United States of America. It's okay, even if you live in a very red community, to have an opposing view. Um, so yes, I, there's, there's no question. We have a wonderful community college here, and I'm not saying that everybody who works at that community college is progressive, but when you have a college community, there's, there's the opportunity for progressive thought, and, um, and so there are those people. We have a lot of positions here. We have some, an immigrant community uh, working in our hospital, working at, at a particular dairy that we have here. Um, so... Um, it's not it's not everybody but as we've seen the other way um when the very vocal people are very are very strongly vocal and they're and they make the assumption that everyone feels as they do it's very hard to counter that 
that dialogue. Um, so uh, we're trying, that's, that's a big part of what our group, our, our local indivisible group is about, giving voice to the progressives in deep red Illinois. And that's, that's, that's true across the state of Illinois. We have indivisible groups in almost every, well, we do have indivisible groups in every congressional district, although now the districts are getting so darn big, that's not saying that much, but we, we have a lot of indivisible groups throughout the state of Illinois. And, and that's, you know, that's a big piece of what they need to do. I give you guys a lot of shout out for that. Uh, it's one thing uh, to be outspoken, uh, progressive in the city of Chicago, where you're surrounded by progressives. Another one to do it where your neighbor's got a fuck Biden sign in the front mm-hmm. lawn. Folks yeah. in Chicago, just think about that for a minute. Yeah, uh, it's very true. It's very know. true. Um, it does take nerves of steel every once in a while. I mean, we've, we've stood out on the corner with our protest signs many, 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 many times. And um, we've had people post things like all lives splatter about us. Um, and, um, you know, we're a bunch of grandmas. <laughs> we're, we're not exactly the most threatening looking people around. So, um, uh, but, but somebody has got to speak out. Somebody has got to give voice to the fact that that they don't own the dialogue. They don't own the dialogue. All right. Uh, we're going to get to the congressional situation, but before I do, I want to ask, I uh, made a note to ask you this. Uh, I presume that uh, the Democrat, the Republicans are really going to try to make hay, uh, as they say, an old fashioned saying, uh, out of the vote that just went down mm-hmm. in the general assembly on parental notification. Right. Uh, and for what it's worth, not that it's worth much. I was a big believer. I would have voted like five times. Yes. On parental to get rid of parental notification because the the parents, you weren't there when your kid got pregnant. So why should you be there necessarily on the decision to have the child? I, when they come right back, well, you know, I got to tell them about a tattoo. I go, a tattoo is a little, (laughs) you know, I don't even, first of all, I'm not even sure you should be there for the tattoo thing, but uh, that's just the libertarian in me. Um, but I wouldn't compare getting a tattoo to having a child parents anyway. Um, but my, my guess is, uh, that Republicans having tested, as I said, this on focus groups, this whole notion of parental rights, uh, using it now for things like whether a school can say a kid can wear a man, they're going to have a field day with, well, no, no, I can't tell my kid not to get an abortion. What kind of rights do I have? And they're going to get all kinds of literature. And I use that word loosely. It's not literature like Charles Dickens. It's going to be like really nasty flyers uh, in the mail uh, come election day about Democrat. Do you know that that your legislator voted to take away parent rights, abortion Yes. Uh, so you have a sense that that's coming too, and you're naked. You're probably going to oh, get bombarded oh, with that. We stuff. will, we will, we will. In fact, it, it came up at our meeting on Wednesday. I was, you know, we'd kind of try to do a quick review of new legislation, national, state, and local. And, um, and I mentioned that one and people just said, Oh, that's going to be a really tough one for us. We, we really avoid as much as possible the abortion issue out here, just because it's such a, um, a lightning rod. It, it, it doesn't get you anywhere with bridging the gap. So um, we will have a very tough time with that. And particularly since that one ties in to, you know, parental notification on a whole variety of things, CRT and uh, that, that ridiculous argument. 
But I'm on the other hand, you know, it was a it was a piece of legislation that had to happen. I certainly hope the governor is going to sign it. Um, it's it, it, for one for one thing as an as a teacher, whenever you're a teacher, you know, unfortunately, about children who are living in homes um, that you wish they didn't have to live in. And when uh, when you have children who have no voice um, and they get themselves into um, at 17 or 16 uh, in a difficult situation, many of those those young women do not have parents that they can go to and depend on. Um, and they need to have their rights. They need to have their rights. And then we, you know, because Illinois is this island um, in, uh, in the Midwest, we do have people coming from other states f- to have abortions. And imagine coming here as a 17-year-old thinking that you have the the ability to do that here and then suddenly um you're told no no you have to go before a judge because um because you don't have parental permission and i I can't imagine how devastating that would be for for a young woman so i'm thrilled that we've got this piece of legislation through um but it's it you know it's going to be it's going to be a tough one for us to to um counter and and i think probably the way that frankly we will do it is not talk about it too much uh we will focus on the things that really affect um other people so we will we will talk be talking about jobs we'll be talking about healthcare. we'll be talking about um unions we'll be talking about the things that are uh hopefully we will have a whole infrastructure program that will give us plenty to talk about and we can slide away from that one yeah and that re- it brings up uh, the this issue about what people talk about uh and so i'm continually reading uh, advice columns from um republicans who don't like trump and so want democrats to prevail this is this is such a bizarre breed of uh, republicans <laughs> they don't like trump uh but they despise Repub- democrats probably even more than they despise trump but they're sort of forced to deal with democrats now for the first time in their life and so they're always going on and on about woke and it's like can you kill woke and woke so as soon i knew i said oh my god when Terry McAuliffe lost that election in Virginia, go here comes the woke articles, and sure enough, just like here they came, pouring out of the pipe. You are woke. People don't want you to be woke. Stop being woke. Uh, <laughs> and so, but listening to you, I see a kernel of a point uh, on the part of these Republicans because I'm sure you're never going to get uh, lefties in Chicago. Uh, to stifle themselves on cultural issues that really matter to them. Right. You're just not going to get it. So tell them to stop doing it is, is ridiculous. Just shut up. Don't say what you think. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't comment about David Chappelle at all. Don't say a word about it. You're going to (laughs) upset some Trumpster who may vote Democrat. Um, So what's your advice or your request? I should put uh, for people who live in Chicago and don't have to worry about the political consequences of saying whatever it is that they uh, feel in their heart of hearts of 
be whatever it is, David Chappelle, whatever, whatever they want to say, they put it out on Twitter. They denounce other people, et cetera. So what would your request be as uh, a progressive living in the middle of red country and has to deal with sort of the consequences of this sort of rhetoric? I, I say go for it. <laughs> um, and and um, you do the battle because we can't. Um, so take take those things on and and put voice to them because in other parts of the country and in other parts of the state we simply can't so we have to depend on you to to put to to do that um that would be my advice and so don't you think that uh by the way i love that advice uh and uh but do you think there's a consequence for you or do you think it's exaggerated? In other words, the notion that uh, because somebody in Chicago uh, advocates, I don't know, criticizes the head of McDonald's who for the, the dumb thing he tweeted or uh, texted to Lori Life. And I talked about that earlier in the show. Uh, it, that would, would make it that much more likely for some person in your neck of the woods not to vote Democrat. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you, do you uh, feel? Go ahead. I think that we are so polarized at this point that I don't think that it makes I don't think it makes a lot of difference. There was a time when we could say, well, you have you have people who are going to vote Democrat, you have people who are going to vote Republican, and then you have these independents in the middle. That independence in the middle is virtually non-existent. So, what we need to do is make sure that we get our Democrats out to vote. Um, and that's exactly what happened in in Virginia. Um, they didn't they 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 didn't vote. They need to have a reason to vote, and they need to get out to vote. We're not we're not going to be changing minds. So let people say what they need to say. Let them defend the things that they need to defend, and we will bring it local and talk about how the Democratic Party is going to help people here locally and that's going to be jobs and jobs and jobs very well said sarah bingham i'm going to send that comment over to uh the columnist i just read the new york times who <laughs> talked about woke and tell him to wake up all right uh we're going to close that was really well done uh we're going to close with uh talk about uh the new congressional map uh okay. i don't want uh to take the light at your anguish but <laughs> <laughs> that's all right i've been obsessively studying the congressional maps had a great conversation yeah. uh uh, the other day uh, about on the subject and I urge everybody uh, to check that one out. And uh, I know I'm going to take a deep dive with Dave McCarver, who's a real political geek. Ladies yeah, and I mean, you're yeah. going to love him on this show. Yes, yes. Uh, this kid knows his politics. Yeah. Uh, he's a, and, he, and a great guy. And yeah, you're just yes. going to love hearing from him. He's we're going to take the deep dive on the maps, but uh, clearly, Clearly, they decided that people in Lee County, people in uh, in your neck of the woods, you know, sorry, guys, we don't deserve representation. <laughs> they stuck you. guys. I'm, I don't mean to laugh at your pain. Well, it, it's, it's uh, laughable. I mean, look at the map. We have probably the largest town in all the, the entire 16th at this point is no more. I mean, Dixon may be the largest town. I don't know if Galena is larger or Dixon, but we are, we are nothing but small manufacturing, small manufacturing and rural. 
that's 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 what the 16th congressional district is now and it looks like you know darren lahood i don't know what he's planning to do but he lives in what is now the current 16th and of course adam kinzinger has said that he is not going to run for congress again so um it's anyone's guess um the thing that breaks my heart the most about the new congressional maps is the fact that um Sean Caston and Marie Newman have to go up against each other. That's uh, that's a bit of a heartbreak. Um, you know, we will. We've looked at the map. We've said we there, we've said we'll do what we can. Uh, we've had great candidates the last two cycles. In 2018, we had Danny Brzezowski running. I'm sorry. In 2020, we had Danny Brzezowski running, and in 2018, we had Sarah Dady running. Um, and those, those, both of those women, we could back fully and and worked our fannies off to try to get elected. Um, this district is a completely different district. I mean, at least then we had part of DeKalb, we had part of Rockford, we had some hope. Um, but with this map, we need to really focus on local elections. We need to focus on our county boards. We need to focus heavily on county boards. We need to focus on state rep. We need to focus on state senate. We need to focus focus on countywide positions, county clerk, um, sheriff. Um, we need to we need to put our energies there. I believe now in um, with our rural call, um, we we do a variety of things. But in December, we are going to have Bill Houlihan talk to all the indivisible um, rural leaders. And uh, the question that we're and uh, of course Bill Houlihan was the um, he, he worked for Dick Durbin until very recently, just retired. And he is going to talk to us about where to put our energies. <laughs> and I'm very anxious to hear what Bill Houlihan has to say about where in the world should we direct our energies? We asked Michael Frericks to, he spent some time with us last summer on that same question. And um, he was extremely helpful. Um, he reminded us, for example, that if we really work hard for a statewide candidate and that candidate loses, but we get X number of votes for that candidate, that counts. That's important. Even if we don't win for that candidate, every vote we get for that candidate helps a statewide candidate. So um, we needed to hear that. And, and it was extremely helpful because it can be very discouraging to lose and lose and lose. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you feel like you're helping, and it, it keeps your energy up. And if nothing uh, else, you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, Democrats taking a page from MAGA and showing some defiance. Mm -hmm. So MAGA throw, puts its little Pritzker suck signs up there as a way of saying, yeah, we're here. Deal with us. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Democrats can say, OK, we're here, too. You know, mm -hmm. we get to put sides out. Now, I know, MAGA, you think cancel culture. You're allowed to cancel the culture to Sarah Bingham's. OK, I know you believe that. <laughs> But the reality is, if you're against cancel culture, you, you have to stand up for Sarah Bingaman's right to be a Democrat in Lee County. <laughs> Come on, MAGA. You can do it. Come on, MAGA. Yeah. 
uh, and uh, no, I didn't mean to to laugh at your pain, uh, but it is oh, pretty funny. Oh, it's all right. <laughs> Come on, it's all they right. stuffed. They just said they stripped all the Democratic portions out of the 16th congressional, and they used it to like fortify Lauren Underwood in the 14th, and they used it to to well, we set up. Lauren. A, yeah, no, I, 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 I know. I know. There's no hate there. I know you, yeah. you're happy. I mean, to help Lauren, and and yeah. in the 17th, whoever replaces Sherry Bustos, that could be yeah. the. The difference there, so you understand how the game is played. Right. But as a result, the sixteenth became so red; it's like glowing red. Yes, yes, yeah. Is there another? Is there a brighter <laughs> color that we could call it? I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, that'd be awesome if you guys get like twenty five percent of the vote in the next congressional election. I, I you could feel it would be awesome, and then yeah. just to watch LaHood try to explain his way. Oh, yeah. they they set up a district for MAGA and. You only got what seventy percent of the vote. Nice job, Darren. Thank, thank you for setting our bar so low. <laughs> Set it low, then you can celebrate when it's twenty six percent of the vote. The good and news is that our um, state house district is going to be much better um, because um, there are three towns here: Dixon, Sterling, Rock Falls, um, that are really very similar. Um, one rock um sterling and rock falls are both in whiteside county and again small manufacturing county so um now we are joined together in the new state house district so that is encouraging we'll see we'll see what we can do tom demmer is currently our uh representative um in in what's currently the 90th and um we hear and he's been vocal about this he this is not a secret he's he's planning to run for statewide office for something so um that lots of people are jumping have you noticed they're 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 going to try something new in 2022 yeah, <laughs> yeah we don't know what kids i i uh, i think kids should to just run against LaHood, but clearly the last person Kinziger is going to listen to for political advice is me. That's for certain. Because <laughs> I did everything I could uh, to advance the cause. Or you, yeah. Danny, I, I advanced yeah. the cause of Danny B and Sarah Dadian to yeah. no avail. Anyway, uh, Sarah Bingham, it's always a blast talking politics with you. I'm going to put you in rare fire air with Dave McCarver and Andrew Ellison, who was the young man I talked to the other day. You are a political junkie. Don't deny it. Uh, just uh, relish it. And, uh, you know, do your thing out there in Lee County. Ladies and gentlemen, you think you got guts progressives in Chicago when you put your little sign up. <laughs> okay. Well, this lady's surrounded. those progressives in Chicago to come on out and help us out please you know if you have if you have someone that is got an easy election and you don't have much to do and you want to ring some doorbells come on out we'll put you to work we need bodies we need help so please come join us it's beautiful out here we're right on the rock river we're right we've got white pine state park there's lots of hiking to do we can send you out to bring some doorbells and then you can you know you can do something fun so please 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 come out and help us we need you 
All right. Uh, the call went out. There we go. All right, Sarah Bingaman, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, it's like I said, we're doing a, a Lee County dive. Uh, Dave McCarver will be on in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. And I urge everybody to check out the interview I did on Tuesday. I think it was with Andrew Ellison, the young man who is a total political junkie and takes apart the congressional map from A to Z. Did a great job of breaking out what exactly the Democrats did to try to uh, use gerrymandering. That's folks. It's the game. Don't mm-hmm. pretend like it's not the game. This is the game that's being played throughout this country. Republicans are masters of the game. And here in Illinois, the Democrats beat the Republicans at their own game. And that's why you're going to like Republicans sobbing like the little babies that they are uh, because the Democrats for once, Sarah Bingaman. Uh, outplayed them. One state in the Illinois, in the whole country, Illinois. Yeah, uh, yeah. We have to counter Texas somehow. Yes, Texas and mm. Indiana and Wisconsin and yes, Pennsylvania. Yes, yes, yes. So don't get me started about the fair map people here in Illinois yeah. who are either deluded or just openly acting as agents of the Republican well, Party. Well, if everybody does it, if everybody nationwide does it, great. Yeah. Great. But, yeah. but you can't, you you can't have some states doing it and other states not be able to. Absolutely. All right, Sarah Bigman, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Joe Vault in Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And as Sarah Bingaman, Dave McCarver, and every other Democrat in uh, Lee County will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. 